0: Hey, by the way, if you need
1: any woodworking done, uh, Brother Owens built this like this week, so I know, right? So, so it's we can take money. this back to the auction back here and make some. We <laughs> could. I mean, it's not, but we got we got we'll any exp- got any expenses in the budget we need to cover? Well, make one. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Um, I'm glad that we've got a pulpit. It's great. It's awesome. It still smells like polyurethane, so. If I get a little loopy up here, just uh, I did, a little bit. did you really? Okay, so that's why Caleb sang so well. He got loopy off of the uh, polyurethane. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I am glad you're here. I'm glad Matt and Melanie got back. Did y'all get any sleep today? You traveled to Jefferson City and back, and oh, just just to Knoxville. Well, to me, I yeah, I guess that's pretty, still pretty far distance though for you. Well, we're glad you guys are back. Ron and I picked him up last night at the airport. Uh, they, they were tired from travel, but they were still excited, and so we had a good conversation on the way home, and we're glad that you all are back, glad you all are back. Uh, uh, just a second here, there we go. Mm. Turn with me tonight, uh, first of all, we're going to look in uh, the book of Exodus. Here we are, Let's get my notes up here. We'll be looking in the book of Exodus chapter 17, so if you want to go ahead and be turning there, you can. You know, on Wednesday nights this summer, we've been uh, primarily looking at different uh, forms of prayer, and you know, it's, it's one thing to always talk about, we should pray, we ought to pray, we better pray. Uh, it's another thing to look in Scripture for examples, amen? Because I mean, if prayer is something that God is expecting of us and He commands of His children, He's going to give us example in His Word, right? And so tonight, what I want to look at is this idea of intercessory prayer. I mean, we talk about this a lot, right? Inter- uh, praying for someone else, interceding for somebody else. This is a very biblical concept. It's, it's something that is central to the faith. Um, and, and honestly, I think intercessory prayer is the one kind of prayer that most people are aware of, right? When we think of praying, like at Wednesday night prayer meeting, that's, I think, primarily what we're thinking about. Let's pray for others, Right, because we ask for a prayer requests. Who can we pray for? Right, uh, but you know, and and let's just be honest with ourselves as Baptists. Uh, I, I have to confess, a lot of times uh, I don't consi- I don't continue praying for people after the prayer request has been given. I might pray in that moment, right? But how often do we think to continue to pray after that initial request? Can we all confess that we've been guilty of that? Yeah. Um, I think in, in scripture we can find uh, some examples here of, of how God expects us to pray for others. It's a good thing. But before we do, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. Open up with a word of prayer. Exodus chapter 17 is where we'll be later. Father God Almighty, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for a privilege of being back in your house here. You gave us a wonderful time of worship on Sunday, you're giving us even now a wonderful time of, of fellowship together, and I pray God that you would just, uh, in the, the middle of this week, you would give us a boost, that you would just give us a little extra presence of yourself. Uh, it's been a busy week for us all, and, and in order to continue to serve you well, Father, we are always needing you and we're always coming to you. And so even tonight, Lord, I pray that you would fill this house with your presence, not only in this room, but also in the classrooms with the children, Father. Teach them well, pour into their little spirits exactly where they are, too. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us through your word, that you'd hear our prayers as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. What's going on here in this passage? Does this story sound familiar to you? Right, We, we study it in uh, Sunday school. We study it in Vacation Bible School. Uh, what's going on here, right? Amalek and his, his armies are coming against uh, the children of Israel. Uh, Israel did not pick this fight. Uh, Amalek and his armies come after them, trying to wipe them out, right? And think about this. When, when, it, when we see in the Old Testament uh, that God's people are under attack, God is always there to... Uh, to protect them, to support them, to be their defender, right? Joshua is Moses' general here, right? And Joshua is the one leading the fight. Moses, on the other hand, has a different job. He goes up on a hill to overlook the battle. Now, which one do you think has the harder job, the general leading the battle or Moses who goes up on the hill? What do y'all think? Just ponder this. If you had to go into battle, would you think that the hardest job would be to actually physically be on the battlefield fighting off the enemy? I think so. I think Joshua had a pretty hard job. I think a very hard job. Right? Now, I'm not belittling Moses here because Moses had just as much of an important role here. He goes up on the hill to kind of oversee the battle from the hillside, and he takes two people with him, right? Aaron and Hur. These two men go with him, they were his, you know, we know who Aaron was, and then Hur goes up as well. He was part of this assistantship here, this comfort uh, for Moses. What was Moses doing on the hill? He was raising his hands, but is it just that the physical act of raising his hands caused the children of Israel to win? What was Moses doing when he had his hands up? He was praying. He was interceding for the children of Israel up on that hillside. He was standing before the Lord on behalf of His people with His arms raised to heaven praying. Right. We know this because, think about it, there are several reasons. Number one, just the physical lifting of hands does nothing at, at all. God is not going to cause call us to do something physical like just Raise your hands and I'll, I'll cause the, your army to win. That's, God, that's not what God's going to do. Moses has to be interceding in prayer here. The other thing is, one of the earliest earliest forms of prayer has always been what we call the orant position. It is a position where your hands are raised in prayer. Now, we don't do that much anymore in our, our tradition, do we? What, what's the physical form that we take when we pray? Fold our hands, bow our head, close our eyes. If we really want to get spiritual, we get down on our knees, right? But, we, but when we pray, our tradition, we're used to praying silently, just kind of inwardly, aren't we? Is that, is that how most people pray in this room? Yeah, I do, right? I, I, my prayer time, when I'm with the Lord, I love the idea of a quiet time. Right? just sitting with my Bible and praying to the Lord and just kind of meditating and soaking in His presence as I think on Him and I actually speak to God in my mind and in my thoughts. But and, and, and a more ancient form of prayer is actually raising the hands and speaking out loud. The idea of the orant prayer comes from the idea of oratory, meaning to speak verbally right? Audibly. Prayer, historically, biblically, has always been this physical, audible prayer. Doesn't mean that you can't have a silent prayer, but when you think of prayer in the Old Testament especially, that's primarily what we're looking at. There is a physical aspect of prayer. And Moses here is doing this on the hillside, right? We see here, let's look at verse 10. We're going to compare what Joshua does and what Moses does. In verse 10 of Exodus 17, So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, right? And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. How long can you keep your hands raised up? Right? Right? You can do this for so long, right? I can do it for a while for, for right now, but after my, my shoulder gets tired, right, what are you going to do? <sighs> right, right? Uh, but with his arm raised, he is... Whenever you raise your hands, where are you pointing? Toward heaven. Moses is not only physically stretching out, reaching toward heaven and honoring heaven, he's praying, he's interceding on behalf of the children of Israel in this process. And whenever he's physically tired. Sorry. Sorry guys, I just dropped my clip. There we go. Whenever he's physically tired, his hand drops. Right? But I think I think we can understand here, and I'm not I don't think I'm reading too much into this text. I think Moses was more than just physically tired, I think he was spiritually tired. Right? How long can you pray? I know, Bill, we've talked, you've talked about this in the Sunday school class as part of worship. How long can we pray? And I think we did a little test. All right? If you try to pray for 30 seconds, it seems like an eternity. <laughs> try to pray for five minutes. Oh, man, that, that's, I don't know if I can make it. Because you've got all these distractions in your head, right? Worried about the bills being paid. All right? is, is my dinner on the stove burning? Um, oh, no, uh, my, my, at my job, my boss is waiting for this deadline. I can't pray now, right? We get distracted, right? So I think Moses here shows us that he had a... He, I think Moses had the more difficult job here than Joshua did. I think Joshua... I mean, when you're physically, ba- when you're physically on the battlefield, yeah, that's tiring, and yes, that's exhausting. Um, but I think Joshua also had an army of men, and everybody was doing their part. Moses was up there by himself. Now, he had Aaron Aaron and he had her, and and I'm sure they were praying with him, but it was Moses who had the responsibility to pray for this battle. As long as he was praying, as long as he was interceding in front of the Lord on behalf of Joshua and the army, they were winning. But But the moment he got tired... Not only physically, but spiritually. Then the enemy was winning. I mean, we see this. uh, Moses intercedes all the time for the children of Israel, doesn't he? God wants to wipe them out. How many times? (laughs) God is upset with his children, and he wants to wipe them out. And Moses constantly comes and intercedes for them. Right? I think uh, Moses here, as he's overlooking the battle from the hill, prayer was Moses' weapon. Joshua had all of the weapons of war. He had the swords. He had the arrows. He had the shields. He had everything he needed to fight the battle. And Moses had the most important weapon of all, and that was intercessory prayer. I don't think we can can belittle that importance. Don't you think? Moses had the most important battle weapon, and that was prayer. Let's take a look at another example of intercessory prayer. Uh, let's look at Jesus. Jesus interceded for us, doesn't he? John chapter, John chapters thirteen through seventeen. We won't read all of that, but John chapters, chapter, chapters seventeen or thirteen through seventeen are understood as uh, Jesus's farewell discourse. Right? John, beginning in chapter thirteen, verse seventeen, uh, Jesus's farewell discourse. This is a a classic section of Scripture where Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples. And there's several scenes here in these four chapters that I want us to look at. Uh, Beginning in chapter 13, we get the scene here that Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. um, And and we see the the scene here in chapter 13 of Jesus comforting his disciples, and he shows them the uh, example of service by washing their feet. Right? And I think what we see here in chapter 13 becomes the, the, the theme all the way through chapter 17 of this farewell discourse where Jesus, in showing the example of being a servant, shows us the example of what intercessory prayer is. Moses was serving the children of Israel by praying for them. Jesus is going to do the same thing. Not only is he washing the disciples' feet, he also then prays for them, and he comforts them with uh, words of of farewell, but at the same time, there's something better coming. So Jesus, as he is saying goodbye, he's also serving his uh, disciples, and he's acting as an intercessor here. I would say here that in, in, in this farewell discourse, Jesus is actually showing that even though he's departing, where he departs to is a higher state of prayer. It's a higher state of prayer. It's one thing to pray here. But imagine if you go to, the, if you go to the, the right hand of the Father in heaven, how close are your prayers then? Right. When we're praying right now, God we think of is distant. Our prayers have a long way to travel. But Jesus is going to the throne of God going back to his father's house, and he's going to show us that there is a higher state of prayer that he's striving for and going to, right? John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, we see the scene, right? Jesus is showing his disciples what it means to be a true servant, right? Uh, verse, let's begin in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. I think John chapter 13 verse 3 shows us what's happening. Jesus knows what's, ha- what's getting ready to occur. He, so- he knows that he had come from God and now he was going back to God. This is part of the farewell. Jesus now models, even though I'm leaving you, I'm going back to where my Father is, I'm going to show you how to pray. And part of this is you now bow down and you serve others. Right? Turn over to chapter 14. Beginning in verse 12, Jesus talking to his disciples, he's already talked to uh, to Peter as Peter has denied him, but now in chapter 14, Jesus tells them all who he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says. Look at verse 1, 14, Let's, let's read verse 1 first, then we'll jump over to verse 12. 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So again, here's this idea of going somewhere, of going back to the Father. And Jesus is giving words of encouragement, even though he's Even sad that he's leaving, he's giving words of encouragement and showing a model of how to pray. Look over at verse 12. Jesus continues and he says, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, "'and greater works than these will he do, "'because I am going to the Father. "'Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, "'that the Father may be glorified in the Son. "'If you ask me anything in my name,' I will do it. John chapter 14, verses 12 and 13 show us the model here of asking in prayer and Jesus interceding for us in that. In verse 12, Jesus tells us that that's where he's going. He says, and he's encouraging the, the disciples, even though I'm leaving and I've done many works, you as my, as my disciples, you're going to do even greater works because I am going... To the Father, I'm not going to be with you anymore, but I will be at God's side, because it says in verse 12, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. If Jesus is not at the Father's side, we can do nothing. Think about that. If Jesus is not at the Father's side, we can do nothing. And in verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This right here is an example of prayer, isn't it? When we pray, don't we ask for? And we pray in whose name? We pray in the name of Jesus. And so Jesus here, I think, is showing us an example. I'm going to be at the Father's side, and if you pray in my name because I am at His side, I can speak on your behalf. That's intercession. So intercessory prayer for the model of Jesus is, it's necessary that Jesus be where he is in heaven at the moment so that when our prayers go up to heaven, even though we're interceding for others, we may be asking for others. We We still have an intercessor at the side of God himself who's going to then turn and say, Okay, God, do you hear my children? Do you hear my people? They belong to me. Isn't that amazing? That's intercessory prayer, right? Now, let's look uh, down in verse 25. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Jesus continues to talk about prayer here. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Right? Jesus is still talking about leaving and going to the Father here, and he's giving peace to his disciples because he's encouraging them, if I go to the Father, then you can pray, and I will be on your behalf. Now lastly, in chapter 17, John chapter 17 is, I think, the model intercessory prayer, right? The high priestly prayer. If we want to learn how to pray for others, first of all, we have to understand what we've looked at so far. The fact that Jesus himself is interceding on our behalf in heaven gives us that hope that our prayers will be heard and answered. But chapter 17, we see Jesus himself praying as a good shepherd should, right? Right? Uh, is that not something to ponder when we're praying for others? Are we praying with the attitude of, I want to model Christ? He is a good shepherd toward me. I want to be a good shepherd to other people and pray for them as well. Right? All of chapter 17 is that. Um, look at verse 1. We won't read the whole thing. I'm just going to read certain sections. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. Jesus is praying here, lifting His eyes to heaven. And verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is now asking the Father something. He's wanting those of us who are left, to know this eternal life that is granted to us and that we would know that the only true God is who God the Father is who sent Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So there he's, he's talking to God, asking for God's glory. And the rest of the many of the other uh, verses here in chapter 17, Jesus is talking about the glory of the Father and all that he has done. Now look at verse 9. Actually, let's look in uh, verse 7. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I I think it's very clear here that Jesus is not praying for the world. He's praying for those who believe. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love the world. He loves everybody. God desires all to come to faith, right? But in this prayer, Jesus is interceding specifically for a a group of people who believe in Christ, those who God has given to Christ to shepherd. So I think that's another example. Jesus is interceding, but he's interceding for a specific people. And I think that's a good example for us. When we're interceding in prayer, we're interceding specifically for someone or someones, aren't we? They come to mind and we ask the Lord to bless them, to help them, to heal them, to serve them, whatever. Right? So what does prayer of intercession look like? I think we see examples here of Moses... His his example of interceding was relentless. He would not give up. No matter how tiring it was, no matter how exhausting it was, he continued. right? And I think in that we see that intercessory prayer is hard work. But can we all agree that we just don't really have that intercessory prayer work ethic? I'll confess, I don't. Jesus gives us the example of the humble servant. Now, if that's not a work ethic, I don't know what is, right? Jesus shows by example that in intercessory prayer, we serve people. Now, being a servant is hard work. <laughs> Cleaning up after people. Constantly praying for people. Constantly in, in, uh, in worry for their souls or... Uh, worried about their physical condition, or whatever it is we're interceding for, right? That can be spiritually exhausting and physically exhausting, can't it? So intercessory prayer, I think, we see in Scripture is, number one, very common, and number two, difficult, and number three, definitely worth pursuing. Um, It takes endurance to intercede in prayer. So is that something that uh, we can leave out of here tonight with a little bit of reminder from Scripture that, number one, we need to intercede, we should intercede. We we all have someone on our mind, in our spirit, that we we think about often, but do we actually uh, put forth the effort that is necessary to intercede? It's one thing to think about. It's another thing to intercede. Do we have the work ethic, that I think we see in Scripture to do that. Are our arms going to be tired when we lift them up and pray for people? Sure they are. I'm tired of praying for them. They're not listening to me. Dear God, you're not hearing my prayer, or they're just too stubborn to be bothered with, right? Or, or we get exhausted in, in, in our spirit, and we just don't think to pray. That's where we need an Aaron and a Hur to come alongside us and, and say, Hey, let me help you pray. Can we do that? That's why we come on Wednesday nights. We help each other pray. Jesus, right, uh, he, he goes off. Of course, we, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays. He's praying for himself. He's praying for others. This, this night of intercessory prayer, I think, is a big part of that night. And he's praying for the Lord. And, um, he needs help. He can't do it on his own. So who can we intercede for? Remember on, on Sundays in the bulletin, I, I'm still every week, uh, putting that little blurb in the bulletin, if you've not gotten bored with it yet, who are you praying for? <laughs> who are you interceding for? Is there somebody that you know, uh, you know they're not saved and, and they have nothing to do with the Lord, but you're praying that the Lord would soften their heart? Because that's what it's going to take, right? It's going to take God softening their heart. Let me close with some prayer, and then we'll, we'll spend some time to pray here in just a minute. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, that you uh, give us examples of godly men um, and even your son, Jesus Christ, who show us that praying for others is hard. Prayer itself is hard, but we've turned it into a a leisurely activity. Lord, I pray that you would remind us to encourage each other in prayer. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that you do listen and when we do cry out to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, your scriptures just showed us, uh, you'll answer. Because without Jesus near your side, we have no hope of intercession. He's interceding on our behalf, telling you that our, blood is, that our sin is covered by his blood. And At the same time, God, when we pray, will you listen to your son on our behalf? That's what I'm asking. If, if, As we pray for others, Lord, I pray that you would hear your son stand in place of us. That's what we need. Bless this church, I pray, Lord. Bless everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Who do we need to pray for tonight? This is a good time to think about intercession, right? So who do we need to pray for?